It's time to start thriving. Start thriving. Let's thrive. The more you know about your body, the better you can take care of it. It's time to take charge of your health. Here we are, so we're going to roll with that. Broadcasting to the Thrive Life community. So we're going to kind of dive into some of those ideas today. From the ACU of Texas Studios, let's thrive. I want to empower you to make that decision. This is Thrive Life Radio with your host, Amy Robison. Today, how fear can be a good and bad thing when it comes to your health and finances, how it can easily sabotage you and how to overcome that paralyzing fear of the unknown. So are you afraid to step out into the unknown? Do you get stuck making decisions and sabotage your goals out of fear? Ask yourself those questions as we go through our show today. So good morning to my Thrive Life community. So glad to be with you as always. Thanks for joining me today live from the ACU of Texas studios. I am your host, Amy Robison, owner of My Life Delicious Nutrition Consultant Company. And I want to know, how ready are you to make a change? Here's Amy with this week's Five. Let's Thrive. Thrive in Five. This is your five-minute Thrive Spot. Health Spot for Tips of the Week, Trips and Resources. And this week, it's all about simplicity. So even as clinicians, we a lot of times get um, sort of lost in the deluge of symptoms and chronic health conditions and super complexities. And a lot of times what we really need to do is keep it really simple or back it up to the most absolute simple things. So your Thrive in Five statement is inspired by Mr. Adam Smasher himself today. Pure genius. (laughs) Yes, pure genius, who gave me some really great feedback from my show last week when I was talking about breathing. So this is a statement that he put um, in some notes to me. So it says, stop worrying about how you have to get to the gym and take fitness classes and diet and concentrate on something simple first, like breathing. Breathing is something we don't realize that absolutely affects our health. So let's get the basics down first and worry about the rest. Again, genius, Adam Smasher. She made that sound more intelligent than I think. I don't think I actually wrote that. It was more, you know. No, I'm actually reading it verbatim. That is how you wrote it. So that's how intelligent you sounded. And it actually was a great, great statement because even as a practitioner, sometimes I need to even be reminded, hey, keep it simple for people. Don't get too far off in the complexity of what's going on. And part of my training as a functional nutritionist is to always back it up. So I have a lot of complex people come in and they have of like a, I can't even list the number of things that they have going on. Some of them have had multiple surgeries over 30 years, unbelievable stuff. Some of them have multiple diagnoses, symptoms that are driving them crazy all over the map. And when, when you sit down with someone who's, who's going through that, it just feels very overwhelming. You're like, oh my gosh, how in the world can I help this person? <laughs> and the answer is you can, you just need to keep it simple. And so for your own life, it's the exact same thing. We don't need to be quite so crazy. We don't need to jump from diet to diet, from workout to workout, going to numerous motivational conferences, hopping on the next de-stress technique, you know, and on and on and on. A lot of times what we need to do is just kind of chill out and live our lives and make some really targeted changes. So I'm going to talk just about a couple of things um, today as we go through our first little segment here and give you some ideas of what I do. Erica is going to give you a few things that she does to keep it simple. And hopefully we'll give you some things that you can get started on this weekend and maybe just you know, take a little chill pill or release some stress from yourself. Don't, don't be so hard on yourself and feeling like you have to do all the things to be healthy because you really don't. Sometimes the simplest steps create the actual most forward momentum. So keep it really easy. So 
Why do I think overcomplicating things creates more unhealthy behaviors? Because it does. So the more restricted that we get in our diets, unless of course there's a, there's a very health, you know, medical reason that we need to do that. The more restricted you get, the stricter you are about, you know, you have to work out six times a week. And if you don't do it, you fall into depression. Cause I see this actually happen. Um, you have certain things that you have to do little concoctions that you're making all day long. And I'm a fan of concoctions when they're needed, but we get kind of stuck in this obsession about health instead of just really listening. What does my body need? What do I need today? How am I feeling today? And how can I just honor how I'm feeling rather than having to do all the things? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) I think when you give people a laundry list of all the changes that they need to make, it's really easy for them to get overwhelmed and then crash and burn. Yep. And so I agree with that. Keep it simple take one thing at a time and implement it. Exactly. And that's what I do also in my practice because it's, it's too much for people. It's overwhelming and they're not going to be able to stick to it. That's just the reality. I can, I maybe have like a half percent of clients who can take something like that and make a bunch of changes and really do it just because that's their personality. Although that's not always a good thing because sometimes they're a little bit too over, over the top with it. But you know, when you focus on keeping it simple, again, even when I have a really complex client come in, I'm going to back it up and say, okay, what's going on in there? You know, are they going to the bathroom every day? Number one, you have to go to the bathroom every day. You know, what are, what are they putting in their body? Just from an overall perspective, are they sleeping at night? You know, how do they feel when they get up in the morning? You know, are they getting off the couch and doing a little bit of movement every day? You know, so those are some really super basic things that I'm going to look at first before I'm going to dive into this big diagnosis that they have. Because a diagnosis, we kind of consider that a downstream issue of a bunch of upstream problems. So if we start downstream on that diagnosis and we don't go back upstream to all the things that are creating the downstream problem, then we're not actually going to get very far. So we have to back it up. What are the basics? Are they doing the basics? Where do we need to get started? And just keep it really simple and, you know, step by step. So a couple of things that I do in my own life um, to keep it simple, I call my non-negotiables. So I just have a couple. I don't have 20 things that I have to do every day to keep myself healthy. I have a couple. Number one is sleep. Sleep is a non-negotiable for me. I try to go to bed at the same time every morning, every evening and get up at the same time every day because sleep affects, not sleeping well affects me so much as far as my overall health that that is just an absolute non-negotiable because I know I'm in a bit feel terrible. Yes, there are times when I make the decision to go ahead and stay up later for out doing something, but I know that I need to make sure I'm getting back on track in the next couple days. So that's one thing that I do. It's non-negotiable for me. The other one is that I am non-celiac gluten sensitive, so I cannot eat gluten. It makes me feel awful. So (laughs) it is not a matter of a weight loss trip or something like that. It really makes me feel terrible. I get really bad jaw pain. I get headaches. I get digestive issues. I get joint pain. It makes me feel like crap. So not eating gluten is a non-negotiable for me. The other one is to make sure that every week I am spending time in community with a friend, whether that's just having coffee, sitting and chatting for a little bit. Um, Every single week I have to have that community because it makes such a big difference for my overall outlook, for how I feel, and, you know, just my overall health. It's a non-negotiable for me. So literally, as a a nutritionist, those are actually my three top. Those are my non-negotiables, the things that I know I have to do on a weekly basis to keep myself healthy. So I don't have this laundry list of things that 
have to be done and overwhelming myself because I have been there and done that. I have done the restricted diets. I've done the, you know, the stressed out workout plans. I have done that and it didn't work for me and it doesn't work for the majority of my clients. So again, keep it simple and start to think about that. What are some non-negotiables in your own life? Just a couple of things, two or three things that you're like, I know I need to do this on a weekly or daily basis because I do feel better when I do it. And it's okay to make a non-negotiable. That's okay because you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your own health. So it's really important to just go ahead and think about that for yourself and start to implement some of those things and see what works and what doesn't work. And you'll narrow it down to the things that you know are the most important for you. So Erica, do you have any of those like non-negotiables in your life that you that you try to stick to as much as possible? Yeah, I don't, I don't really have any that are real specific for every day or every week. But the one thing that I try to stick to is not beating myself up at the end of the day over the things I didn't accomplish. And so um, have you ever done meditation? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's this big misconception that when you meditate, you're supposed to totally clear your mind yes. and not think about anything. <laughs> but anybody who's meditated for a long time will tell you instead if something pops up, you're supposed to acknowledge it, kind of like say hi to it mm -hmm. and then, you know, package it away and then move on with your meditation. Right. I try to treat my life the same way. Mm -hmm. So if I get to the end of the day, one of my friends who's a psychologist had, uh, we did a presentation together and one of the things she had talked about was, if you get to the end of the day, realize you're only human and that the things you didn't accomplish, you, you can do the next day. That way you're not lying in bed just thinking about them. So of course in my business, there are things I have to do and mm -hmm. I prioritize those, but if I don't get to the other things, I don't let it keep me up at night anymore. And I kind of treat it the same way that I would something popping up in meditation. All right, that happened, I didn't get it done. I can get it done tomorrow. Just acknowledge it, say hi to it, and then package it away. I love that. I love, <clears throat> excuse me, the way she said, you're only human. You can't get everything done in a day necessarily. And I think that's something that we overlook a lot. And I, I love the fact that one of your, your kind of non-negotiables is not beating yourself up because we do that so every single day people are doing this and, and particularly women because we think we're all super women. We're supposed to do all the things. Yeah. If we don't, we're somehow a failure. We're weak. We're not a good wife. We're not a good mom. We're not a good partner. We're not a good, you know, business owner, whatever it may be. And we really come down on ourselves mm -hmm. hard and when you do that, you're sending yourself that negative emotion and emotions do get trapped in the body. And when that's a spiral over and over again, you actually um, increase your likelihood of having more health issues when you're thinking that way on a daily basis. It just, and you know, like you said, keeping you up at night, now you're not sleeping. So mm -hmm. if you're beating yourself up and you're not sleeping, and we talked about sleep a couple weeks ago of how important it is and how much you know ill health it creates when you do not sleep, that's why for me it's a non-negotiable, then you're actually only hurting yourself. So remember, you're human. It's okay to not do all the things. Pick the ones that work for you and stick with it. So, you know, maybe it's maybe it's get some sleep. It's like what I said. Or maybe it's just eat actual food every day, even if it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Actual food. And what I mean by actual food is that if it doesn't, you know, grow in the ground, walk on the ground or swim in the ocean, it's not it's not real food. So every day eat some real food. Now I'm not telling you to do that all day long because I don't know where you're at in where you're eating, but if you at least start incorporating that every day, you're moving your way forward. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Do you ever notice how when someone talks about breathing or says take a deep breath or just breath in general, everyone just goes, 
it makes you conscious of it. So take a deep breath. We talked about that last week. Get off the couch and jump around a little bit. So even if you're not <laughs> going to go work out, if a commercial comes on that you think is funny or you like the music, just get up and jump around even if everyone thinks you're weird and crazy. That's okay because now you just moved your body. You stimulated blood flow. You created some endorphins. You did all this good stuff for you even though it was only a couple of minutes of jumping around. So jump around. And the last one is, which might surprise you, is get out with a friend, grab a glass of wine, grab a cup of coffee or tea, grab a beer or whiskey with a good friend. Go have some fun. I literally gave this assignment to a client of mine a few weeks ago. Like, I wrote it on a piece of paper like a prescription. <laughs> Go have some fun. Just yep. do something fun. Get out. Be social. Do something that you enjoy. I actually get depressed if I don't. So, And I can recognize it. So like last Friday, my husband got home from work and I, I was like, call your mom. Tell her like she needs to keep the kid we're going out. <laughs> we're going to go be social. We're going to go try to see friends because I haven't had the month of April has been crazy and I haven't had a lot of social interaction. And I start to feel that mm. weighing really heavy on yeah. me. And so that's a, an excellent prescription. Yes, it what really if you is. you hate people and you only like to wear fat pants? Then put on your fat pants put and be happy. Put on your fat pants and be happy and jump around your house <laughs> with your dog. <laughs> I mean, seriously, whatever it is for you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just have fun. Be silly. Even as an adult, find your kid. Be silly. Have some fun. Talk about stupid stuff. Act like you're 15 again. You know, just because it, what that does is it just makes you relax. It calms you down. And again, when you relax a little bit, and this isn't even going, you know, as far as meditation, just relax, chill out, yeah. live your life, do the things that you know are most important and let every, let everything else come as it's supposed to. We spend way too much time being serious. We do. Yep. Yes. That is, <laughs> yes, we do. And I know if anyone who's been around, you know, Vinyl Draft Radio Station knows we have a lot of fun around here and we, yeah. and it's kind of just a priority and part of the culture that let's just have fun. We're going to be serious when, when that time arrives, but otherwise let's just have some fun. So we've got some serious things to talk about today. So <laughs> something like paralyzing fear can lead to some impulsive behavior and sabotaging your goals. So don't let it. The first step <laughs> of importance to follow will so be next. Serious. All right, you're live. Welcome back to my Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you this morning. We had a fantastic chat at the beginning in your Thrive in Five this week talking about keeping it simple. And I think it really actually is a pretty good segue into our topic for today because usually when we don't keep it simple, we start getting really fearful about stuff and then we get completely afraid and we don't do anything at all because we're so overwhelmed. So we get that you know paralysis by analysis. So we want to talk about what it means to kind of, you know, step out into the unknown and why a lot of us don't do that because fear is can be so paralyzing. Fear can be wonderful also. It can be a very good motivator. You know, it doesn't have to be all bad, but it it really is an issue for a lot of people, whether it's their health, whether it's their finances, of just not not moving forward, not hitting those goals. And we a lot of times do self-sabotage ourselves because we're so afraid of taking a step into something that we're just not familiar with or just taking that leap of faith into the unknown and saying, okay, everything's going to work out. So I'm just going to take that step forward. And I know I see it all the time and I'm sure that you see it as well. So talk to me a little bit about where this topic came from, you know, and wanting to talk about this today. So of course I've got to give my legal yes, disclosure. Yes, give your legal disclosure. All right. So we'll talk about fear of the unknown, how it prevents us from taking the 
steps we need to take to be financially sound. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also talk about impulses, which are the complete opposite and how, you know, how can you have impulses in one direction and then this paralyzing fear in the other yeah. and things that are total, you know, in, for the complete wrong reasons. Yeah. And so we can talk about how those affect us in everyday life, not just finances, but um, I have to touch on the legal aspect because the financial piece. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I own Respire Wealth Management. It is registered in the state of Texas. Um, and so anything that I discuss is just for informational purposes only. And I'm not going to be making any recommendations to buy or sell. And we might talk briefly about retirement accounts, but if you're going to make changes in there, you should definitely know what you're doing or talk to a financial advisor. So whatever we discuss here is not um, specific advice. And if you do have questions, if you don't have an advisor, then by all means, call me and I'll be willing to give you an you know, unbiased professional opinion on on your specific uh, case. But um, this is not none of this is blanket recommendation. <laughs> She's not telling you what to do today. We're just having a discussion and giving you some points to ponder, things That's to right. think about, and then things, you know, that if you are working with someone to maybe go and, dis- have, you know, have a discussion around, mm-hmm. you know, or if you're, you know, if you're married or if you have a partner, having some d- more discussions around what's going on for you in this, you know, venue of finances and fear, you know, having a discussion there and just start opening up a dialogue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I th- yeah, before That's- I gave my disclosure, you asked me a question because <laughs> I kind of gave a rambling one. That's kind of the rambling kind of a day today. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's what it feels like for me. I felt like for the first segment, I was just like, blah, 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 blah. So, so we'll try to keep on track. Absolutely no promises, but we're going to try to keep moving forward. So fear of the unknown. What, where did this topic come from? Why did this kind of yes, pop into your head? Was there, you know, something that was yes, going on that made you think up. about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I run into people all the time and in their retirement accounts, like their 401ks that they have at work, for example, a lot of times people don't contribute to them or they don't participate in their employer retirement plans because they don't understand the investments in the investment lineup. Mm, And the big thing is if you have the ability to contribute to an employer plan, then you should be contributing. And if you are getting paralysis by analysis because you're overthinking it, or if you're not analyzing it all, Mm -hmm. and it's just fear of the unknown preventing you from doing it, you're doing yourself more harm than good, right? You just need to be in there and participating. So in a lot of plans, there are there's a default fund available, or there's like a target date fund, which is the one that has the year in the title. Those are very well diversified. They you know are a good option for most people. You just pick the one with the year nearest when you're going to retire, and that's going to be more aggressive in the beginning. The further you out are from mm-hmm, that year, mm-hmm. and then become more conservative. Or they'll have like some kind of managed, you know, risk tolerance based allocation ranging from like conservative to aggressive. And if you don't know where you should be, then most plans have an advisor who's assigned to it or at least a phone number you can call where you can get some help. Um, But the, the key is most plans have something built in that give you that answer that help you in that direction. It's just that people are not always aware of what those resources are. So, you know, go to HR, um, log in online to your HR website, look at your retirement account, figure out what the phone number is, call somebody and ask or call me and I'll help you, you know, Mm -hmm. look through it, call your advisor, whatever it may be. But there's, if you're not contributing to a retirement account because you're afraid and you don't understand investments, you don't Mm -hmm. know what they are, then you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Right. And it doesn't make sense to me that people have this fear of the unknown when it comes to their retirement accounts. And yet they can walk into target because they need to buy 
um, toilet paper and come out two hours later having spent 400 bucks, right? <laughs> I'm really <Which> is, <laughs> definitely guilty of having done that before. <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand how somebody can make this financial, you yeah. know, impulse decision um, at Target, but then they can't decide that they're going to contribute uh, 70 bucks out of every paycheck to a retirement account just because they're afraid of the investments that are in there. And that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not a therapist, which we've discussed before, <laughs> but I have to talk a lot about the mm-hmm. behaviors that surround people's spending habits. Absolutely. And so when people have fear of the unknown and that's keeping them from investing in a retirement account, that is one of our basic instincts, that fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So there's fight, flight, or play dead. Yeah. <laughs> the freeze instinct. Yes. <laughs> and so when you're doing that or when you're making that unconscious choice not to contribute just because you don't understand the investments, you're playing possum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you're afraid that the, the, the dog running through the yard is going to kill you or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, but then when you go into Target and you went in for toilet paper and you come out two hours later, having spent 400 bucks, you're giving into this other instinct that drives us to seek rewards mm-hmm. that would have helped us when we were hunter gatherers. But now because we don't have to worry about that, there are other things that drive that. And one of the th- those things that drive that reward um, response in our brains is getting to do things like go to Target and spend four, you know, over two hours. And so you're giving into these really basic animal instincts in both instances. They both kind of come from the same place, but you can't correct that behavior until you recognize it in yourself. Yes. And it's not just in those things. It happens all the time in life. And people make lots of impulse decisions that all have to do with money, whether it's like buying an expensive car they can't afford or buying the wrong house without, you know, caring that, you know, where it was built or how it was Mm -hmm. built or anything else or ignoring an inspection. There are lots of different decisions that people make where they ignore important information um, or they don't look at information at all where it's really impulsive and, and it doesn't make sense that people can have these, I mean, it, it, it exists, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> right. make sense, but it exists. It so happens. People, yeah. yeah. People have these two really conflicting behaviors and all of it comes down to our animal instincts. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it is, you know, it's kind of one of those, uh, like a functional freeze. So you're functionally playing possum. So you're playing possum on, <laughs> on the things that you need to be paying attention to, but then you're functional on the other side and doing going out and spending $400 at target. So it's like, you've kind of got the, your feet on the gas pedal and the brake at the same time. So you're kind of, you're fr- stuck in one area, but you're allowing yourself to just go full throttle in another area without even thinking about it. You're just like hitting the road full force. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to the 401k, especially through an employer, um, what does it, you know, what does it mean to, for, to have an employer match and should you always reach the employer match? Should you go over the employer match? You know, why is that important? Okay. So if you have a match, then really you want to, in your earlier years of saving, you want to be trying to hit at least the employer match. Now there are caveats to that. Like one of them is if you can afford to be contributing when people have zero savings and an emergency savings account, tons of debt, there are times where I tell people that they should maybe pull back on their contribution for a while and shore up that savings and take care of that outside debt. If people can afford to be working on all three at the same time, when I assess how much they're earning and what their expenses are, then we might work out a plan where we're saving, we're paying off debt, and we're making sure we get the match all at once. But it, it depends on that finite resource of earnings, right? So right. your income is your limitation. Yeah. And so if people can afford it, they definitely want to at least be getting their match. And I've had people tell me too, 
I'm not contributing because my employer doesn't match. Mm -hmm. That's another place where I I could see how that's a rational thought process, except you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so the the reason people are wrong when they make that decision is because if there's no employer match, then there's even more reason for you to be contributing. Okay. Why is that? All the burden of saving for retirement is on you. You're not getting a match, so you are going to have to work harder at saving than someone who does have mm-hmm. a match. Yeah. And that's why it's really important to contribute. And you're still getting the benefit of investments. You're getting the benefit of having money going in every paycheck. And you're getting the benefit of tax deferral you know, until retirement. Right. So there still is lots of benefit there. And you're still getting, usually in, in retirement accounts, typically in 401ks, the investments cost less than they would outside as well. Mm. So you're getting all that good growth without internal expenses eating into your returns. So there are lots of reasons why you would want to contribute, even if you're not getting a match. That makes so that makes a lot of sense. That's very that really helps to kind of clarify that a little bit better as far as what that means. And also the idea, I think it's really important, kind of what you said, especially talking about fear, is that even if you don't have a match, if you're not contributing and starting any kind of you know retirement account, you know because there is no other outside help for you, you have you're literally at ground zero and there's nothing going on. So do you see when you have that conversation with clients, is there kind of a, you know, maybe like the good fear element that comes in as a motivating factor, like, you know, because there's no match and you don't have a retirement savings anywhere else, it is all on you. So it's important for you to go ahead and start the process. Yeah. You got to be really careful because yeah, sometimes you say sometimes that you and could people like, are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know I can kind yeah. of see the, see the picture here. Yeah. <laughs> people be like, what? And then going to, and then playing possum. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, in the, in the corner, like rocking, like, oh my gosh, I can't, yeah, it's never, all on me. <laughs> I've never had anybody respond outwardly like that. They might've been feeling that on the inside <laughs> and I've never had anybody pass out. Okay, good. But, <laughs> but I usually try to dance delicately around yeah. that conversation. Like, okay, you're going to have some catch up to do. You're a little bit behind on where you should be. Here's why you need to be contributing. And here's what we need to look at. And then we make it simple. Yes. And we take it simple. one step at a time. Yeah. Just start contributing something. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. and, um, and I always say like, if like, you may not know what action to take, but just take some action right now. Yes. And you, do, you don't have to complete it, just kind of start it. And that came from when um, I was I was listening to this podcast and this guy was talking about taking action and paralysis by analysis and how it can just shut us down to where mm-hmm. we're not doing anything. Yep. And I was researching starting my business and I just needed to move forward, right? And there's a, lot, yeah. there's a point where you, you're like, this just has to be good enough. Yeah. And the guy was like, you know, if I if I'm getting all these emails, I'll pull them up for 30 minutes in the morning. I'll open the ones I need to respond to and I'll just type a sentence. Mm -hmm. It may not be what I'm ultimately going to send, but I'll just type a sentence and then I'll minimize it and just save it for later until I have time to go back and actually respond because then I've taken some action, right? That's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. And so you can, you can, you can connect that to all these different pieces in your life. And Mm -hmm. so if it's, it's, if it's a matter of like saving in your retirement account, something as simple as that, that's really important that we don't do, then you, you can take that action by just starting something, just start contributing something just to get your match. If you need to contribute more, if you're nearing retirement, then you need to sit down with someone. You need to have them run an analysis, see what you can afford to contribute, what you are contributing, how that's going to affect you and when you can retire, Mm -hmm. see if you can afford to, to play catch up. Um, but if you're further out, then the simplest step you can do is try to get your match. If you don't have a match, then start, just choose a percentage. Maybe it's 4%, maybe it's 5%. 
And then most plans will allow you to set it to automatically increase your contribution rate 1% every year. So if you think about when you get like your um, raise or something like that at work, Mm -hmm. that usually happens at the beginning of the year. If you also set your contribution rate to go up 1% every year, you're not going to feel it from your paycheck. Right. It's a small, simple, again, going back to simple, simple step that you can go ahead and take. And again, like you said, take action. I mean, a lot of times (laughs) because it gets so overwhelming and that's why it's really great to have someone you can maybe reach out to help because it is overwhelming. But sometimes all you need to do is take that one small step. You've put some action towards it and wherever action goes, energy is going to follow. So there's going to be a compounding effect. So, you know, once you've kind of identified some of these paralyzing fears, where are we having some impulsive behaviors? We're going to find out next. Welcome back, Thrive community. Glad to be with you today. I have Erica Jensen of Respire Wealth Management back on the show. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. (laughs) If you are just tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. We've had some great conversations about keeping it simple. But then also our main topic today is fear. So stepping out into fear, fearing the unknown, and how being in fear all the time and kind of going into that playing possum and shutdown mode and not you know <laughs> having any kind of action towards the things that you need to be focused on, especially around your finances, what that actually starts doing to you. It kind of erodes some things and, you know, kind of gets us into that mode of self-sabotage. So we're kind of going into, you know, identifying some of the things that are causing the paralyzing fear, but then also, you know, what are we doing that might actually be destroying our finances without even realizing that we're doing it? And one of the things we had talked about a few months ago on the show, which I think is really good thing to to bring up again is the whole idea of savings because we don't like to save money because it's much more fun to spend money. So let's kind of talk about kind of what you see and why creating a savings account and contributing and taking some action is so important there. Well, so when we talked about savings before, one of the things that we talked about was the fact that when we aren't saving, it's because humans have two parts of their brain. They have the part that has all of those animal instincts and they have the part that makes us more human, like our conscience and the thing that's able to intervene and um, to allow us to take logical courses of action. Yeah. We are more likely to default to the animal functions of the brain initially and we'll continue to default to those unless we recognize that that's what we're defaulting mm-hmm. to. So I gave you the horrible example. I'm going <laughs> to give it again. So hopefully we don't have any like PETA people. <laughs> we are, we are very sorry. We are not pro, we you know, are. harming animals, but it is a, a it's a good picture. So yeah, yeah, it is a good picture. It's a helpful picture. It I should say hel- that. Yeah. yeah. So there was a study that was done where they used rats and they put a little probe into the brain of the rat where it would activate the uh, the rats reward center, which involves, you know, um, really increasing their dopamine and making them feel euphoric and really happy and wonderful. And so then they put a little button inside the rat's cage and the rat would go up and it would push the button. So this probe is constantly activating and giving them this dopamine response and just making them feel good all over. And the rat loved it. And so eventually the rats in the study would continue pushing the button until they just starved to death. Mm. because they want to constantly feel that. They want that dopamine hit. And it's the same part of our brain that drives addiction, that drives impulse, that drives us to seek out short-term rewards um, like shopping or Mm -hmm. the things that make us feel good. And there's actually proof that it's not having things that makes us feel happy for people who are impulse buyers. It's the 
anticipation of having the thing yep. that makes us feel really good. Yeah. And so people go out and they're satisfying this short-term need for reward. And our brains are wired to feel that because that's what drove us when we were hunter-gatherers mm-hmm. and would, you know, drive people through the fight or drive people through survival is, you know, you need reward and you need to eat. And so people would have all this anticipation around going out and capturing some kind yep. of beast to bring home and yes. cook over the fire. So those are things that drive us now. And if we don't recognize those animal behaviors, then we don't know how to logically correct them with human behaviors. So impulse shopping, going out and buying, you're limited to a finite resource and that's your income. So if you can't increase your income, then you have to reduce your expenses. And so if people are ever having trouble saving or adding up, storing up savings, it's because they're not taking the steps to do the simplest piece of personal finance. So you can clear out all those other things that anybody ever tells you about personal finances. Mm -hmm. If you don't have savings, that's the one simple thing that you can do. And the way that you shore up savings for an emergency is just to calculate your income, calculate your expenses and create a surplus. You either have to increase your income or you have to decrease your expenses, one or the other. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Kind of like going back to what we were talking about in the first se- first segment, you know, there's downstream problems, like bigger problems, but there's all these little upstream issues that have to be dealt with first. So it's the same thing when it comes to your finances. It is. Like you said, get rid of all of the big stuff that people are telling you to do and get back to the simplicity. What's the first step? Mm-hmm. Savings account. It's just, yep, it's, well, the first step is budgeting. Oh, even better. Yeah, the yes. first step is budgeting. Yes. And so and so the trick with that is the reason that I say the first step is budgeting, because here you are having to forego these short term rewards, the things that the rat mm-hmm. seeks yeah. for pushing the button in order to have this longer term win this success with savings and our brains don't default to that. Mm-hmm. So you have to activate the human element to make the decision to do that. And that's the key is you have to recognize I'm the rat pushing the button. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then you have to say, all right, I'm going to stop pushing the button. I'm going to control myself. And every time I think about picking up a, an expensive bag of beef jerky when I'm in the checkout line at the grocery <laughs> store or you know whatever it might be, I'm going to save that money and I'm going to put it away. Because all those little expenses, all those little impulse buys, they all add up and they oh eat gosh, into they our do. budget. They do absolutely do. I know when we were first kind of working on, you know, setting a budget. And so I would go back like the previous month and just, um, you know, download the whole month from, from the bank account. And then I'd categorize it and kind of separate it so I could see exactly where we were spending our money on. And when I was like all the extra expenses, the little grabbing coffee here, you know, in there. And I was just, I about fell out of my chair. I was like, now I know where all the extra money is going. Cause it was, cause you just don't think about it. Cause it's, it's a small amount each time. It's usually stuff that's 10 bucks. It's under 10 bucks. Yeah. So you're just not realizing, well, but if you do that 10 times, that's a hundred dollars. Yeah. And it's so the same for everybody. It is the same for everybody, but I was, it was a really good exercise because I knew exactly where we were spending our money and I knew exactly where the problems were lying. Yeah. And I was shocked and like really embarrassed at how much I think there was one month and I, it was like right after I started getting better, I was, I had been sick for a long time and I was better. So I was, I was able to drive. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, I wasn't really working full time again yet. So I was just kind of running around and wasting time just because I wanted to be out of the house and driving. So I was getting coffee for um, my husband, David and I like every single day. And it was like $500 this one month and coffee. I was like, 
oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. This is just ridiculous. But because I just wasn't paying attention and it was these little tiny transactions, I just had no idea it was adding up to that much. And I was just floored. I was so glad I did the exercise because I really understood what I was doing. And I was getting that, you know, that, like you said, that short term, um, you know, excitement, that dopamine hit from getting to go and do this thing, but it was really costing me on the other Mm -hmm. side and I wasn't paying attention to it. Yep. And so these are those two conflicting like animal behaviors is you've got this fear that shuts you down and keeps you from taking steps towards something that's actually going to help you in the long run. But in your mind, your default setting also is driving this impulsive behavior that keeps you from being able to afford to do this thing. Right. Right. So you're so you're shutting down and you're coming up with biases with excuses. Well, I shouldn't have to do that because my employer doesn't match. I don't know what investments do. The market goes down. I don't want to lose it all. There are lots of different excuses that people can come up with for not investing in a retirement Mm -hmm. account because they want to be the rat pushing the button. Yeah. Right. And so that's the big, that's how these two things work together. They're both animal impulses. If you, if you come up and you, if you, if you identify that you have these behaviors, you can usually keep them in check yourself. So that's the, that's the biggest thing. And if you can keep them in check, you're going to cause yourself significantly less stress over time. But it's a matter of seeing that if you make these little changes in your behaviors that you can prevent that stress. Mm -hmm. You have to be a little bit introspective to do it. And again, I'm not a therapist, but we have to touch, you know, briefly on these things because that's what behavioral finance Mm -hmm. is all about. Absolutely. If you if you look at yourself and you think, I don't have any of those behaviors, (laughs) then you probably do need to see someone who's an actual (laughs) therapist because we all have those behaviors. I do. Everyone does. (laughs) That's when you're like, okay, maybe I need to go talk to somebody and and see, because maybe I'm not recognizing these on my own. It's really easy to make excuses and it's really easy to say, well, you know, I've done that, but it's okay when I do it because we lie to ourselves all the time. Oh my gosh. I can't. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so you have to recognize that that's the, that's the, the really hard part. And it doesn't just apply to personal finances. Mm-hmm. It applies to everything in our lives. Absolutely. We make lots of justifications for our behaviors because it's more comfortable there. You're accustomed to it. It doesn't cause you discomfort because mm-hmm. you're making, you know, a change or you're, you're doing something different. And our body likes the chemicals that we create with and we do something that is comfortable and good, it doesn't really like it so much when we start to make changes and we're going to say, no, we're going to move in a different direction. It's going to battle you a little bit. It's it's going to be uncomfortable, yes. but you can get past the discomfort to the other side. And you know, it's so interesting talking about the, um, that study with the rats because we in our culture as a whole right now really are the rats because we have the social media. Every time you know you get that like, every time you get that comment, it actually is a dopamine hit every single time. And also when you were talking about anticipation, it reminded me that one of the things they discuss, even with the whole social media thing, is it's not actually getting the like and getting the comment. It's opening up your phone with the anticipation that there is going to be a notification there. Yeah. So it's not even the new notification itself that's creating that it's the anticipation of it so I mean even just from a cultural standpoint right now so you know giving yourself a little bit of a you know a a an out, I guess I don't really want to use that <laughs> word. That's not really the right word. That's the only one that's popping into my mind is that we are kind of surrounded by that right now with wanting that instant gratification even more, I think, than we ever have been because of social media and because it's on our phones 24 seven, if you have that on your phone. So it, it's creating this culture of wanting the dopamine hit all the time. And it's filtering even more severely, maybe I could say into the other areas of our lives. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you ever, uh, like you remember when you were a kid and you'd have the 
contest, see who could hold their breath the longest oh, yeah. underwater. Yes. And when you're under there and like you're, you know, you're blowing bubbles and like your brain is like, all right, maybe you should come up. But then you're like, I, don't, I know I can stay down longer. Like I know I can. And your brain's like, no, maybe, you know, maybe go up. And you're like, no, I know I can do this longer. And your brain's like, no, maybe it's time to you're like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so then the longer you practice, the more comfortable you get with it. Well, mm-hmm. that you're, when your brain is telling you, you need to surface, that's the same drive, the same drive to survive that tells you that you need short-term rewards. These are all interconnected and they all yep. drive our survival. When you're underwater, yes, you do eventually need to come <laughs> you up. You eventually do need to come up, just putting that out there. Yeah. But when you walk into Target to buy toilet paper, you probably don't also need to purchase, you know, all, all the these things. other things. <laughs> it's so it does yeah. feel really good to purchase all the things because they have really nice stuff. We, yeah. You know, it's why it's Target instead of just Target. Because <laughs> I nice forget. Stuff. I forget. Yeah, it's Target. Yeah. I mean, so, but I mean, we have, we really do have this just culture of needing everything to make us feel good. Mm-hmm. And we really try. And that is also, like you said, it's a survival thing. We want to feel good because it makes us feel safe. We don't like discomfort. It's just kind of a natural human thing. We don't like to be uncomfortable. But discomfort is what gets you to that next goal. It's what gets you to that next level. That's why we say that fear is also a good thing because it is a motivator, but you know, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing in, in order to get to another step. Yeah. That's a major problem. It's is hard. That we culturally, we've come to this idea that we have to be comfortable all the, all time. the time. So we don't like to be uncomfortable in our conversations. We don't like to be uncomfortable in our lives and we don't like to ever feel physical pain. Yeah. But then even with not f- feeling physical pain, there's now proof that feeling physical pain helps our bodies to heal. Whereas there for years, there was this idea that we needed pain management and that people should never be uncomfortable. And right. that's the thing, the same thing that's now, you know, driving the the opioid crisis. Yeah. So there, there's this idea that we have to be comfortable and we should never feel pain. And none of those things are true. Some of those things, some of those things are really normal mm-hmm. and, uh, it's okay to go through that in order to make yourself better. It absolutely is. I know there's fear of unknown, fear of change, and it is an uncomfortable thing to go through change. But one thing is for sure is that there's always going to be change. So we have to learn how to deal with it. So we're going to help you figure out how to be uncomfortable. So, Get ready. It again. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you this morning. (laughs) We're all good. We know what we're doing, right? Right? Maybe not. No? I like you because you're easy. Like when things mess up, you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow because, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, we're all humans. So let's just cut each other a little bit of a break and have some fun and be silly and laugh and mm-hmm. laid back and chill out because we just feel better. Some people around here are anal. <laughs> that would not be me. I, I, I can. I mean, I can be if I really need to, but most of the time, like, it's not, no one's, no one's going to be, you know, severely hurt for that one. So. It's a great big waste of energy to worry about. Oh my about gosh. Petty stuff. Yes, it does. And it feels terrible. And afterwards you're like, man, I was a jerk for no reason. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It was like my own stuff coming up there. That had nothing to do with you. That was my own like lack of control, I guess you can say. So speaking of lack, yeah. as we were on the break, Eric and I, we've been discussing, first of all, like fear of the unknown today. So if you're just tuning in, thanks for joining us. But fear of the unknown and kind of what that can mean for your finances and, you know, playing possum and (laughs) being stuck and not allowing yourself to move forward. Sometimes just out of just not understanding something or out of, you know, a little bit of ignorance. And we all have
have areas of ignorance in our lives where we don't understand. So it's hard for us to move forward. And that's when you ask for help, but we're kind of going into kind of what causes us to make bad decisions and kind of sabotage our own behavior. And part of that too, um, is a fear of lack. So kind of, we were kind of discussing keeping up with the Joneses because I I had saw this like little clip of some news thing on the news. I didn't see the whole actual thing, but talking about younger people spending lots of money so that they can post things on social media and how they're kind of, you know, posting themselves broke, I guess you could kind of say, Uh but how that's always kind of been around even with or without social media, because we want to keep up with the Joneses. And part of that's fear of lack of not having enough or being enough. Yeah. And keeping up with the Joneses is something that's always been a problem. It's always caused people to spend way too much money. I mean, I remember, you know, in studying the way that the media marketing affects our brains. If you watch shows, there are like their commercials or there are things that are position or product placement within shows where you're supposed to watch it and you're supposed to think, I want that. I want that feeling. And the the lighting of the commercial or the vibe of the commercial is supposed to appeal to your animal senses Mm -hmm. for relaxation and that dopamine hit. Right. Yep. And, um, and having something better. And so keeping up with the Jones has always been a thing. But one of the other things, and we've been all kinds of rodents today, so we've been like, we've been the possum, possum. which is not a rodent, it's marsupial. Um, Oh, we've We've got like some big words happening, marsupials. (laughs) I feel like I'm on Sesame Street, marsupials. You saw the picture of me with the marsupial. I did, I did see the picture of you, yes. So um, so we've been been marsupials today, we've been uh, possums, we've been the rat. Um, but now we're going to be the squirrel. Okay. Um, so the other thing that we it's do. It's opossum, by the way. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm from East Texas. So thanks. <laughs> we dropped the O. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> so, so opossum, yeah. rat, and now squirrel. But it's fine. So we're tell not us about this anymore. We're a squirrel now. We're a squirrel now. now. Tell me about the squirrel. All right. So imagine, (laughs) so, so we're the squirrel now. So we other, we also have this thing, which is scarcity Mm. and this goes back to anxiety. So anxiety creates fear and it creates stress in our lives because there are a number of unknown outcomes and we can't control any of those outcomes. And sometimes we create stress for ourselves unnecessarily not knowing what those outcomes might be. So if you've ever worked like a, a nine to five in a corporate setting and like the boss sends you an email or like, Hey, you know, I need to see you in my office at 3 PM. And you're thinking in your head, like, Oh God, like what could I, what, what is it now? Like, what have yes. I done? Yeah. Um, that's anxiety over an unknown. And then you get there and he's like, Hey, great job today. You know, it's all, you know, and you're like, Oh man, I was really worried over nothing. Yeah. So you, you created all this stress and anxiety for nothing. Anxiety can also like manifest itself when you have this perceived scarcity. So this is another animal instinct that people have where they can spend themselves into oblivion um, because of scarcity. There are studies that have shown studies of people that recently lost jobs and maybe they actually had enough resource. Maybe they had like a severance package or they had enough pay that would have cr- you know, created an adequate bridge for them in the time that they needed to go find another job but it doesn't last. And mm-hmm. the reason it doesn't last is because as soon as they lose their job, then they go to Sam's and they're stocking up on bulk foods for the family or they're like buying more than they would have otherwise. And then suddenly they're out of money and they've exceeded what their normal budget would have been mm-hmm. when they had income. 
but they've done it because of the feeling of scarcity. Yeah. They've given in to being the squirrel now. Yeah. <laughs> so we're they, hoarding everything. Winter yep. is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just and had to so, throw like a little Game of Thrones in I there. Did. I have to. I can't wait for it to come I know. So yeah, it's so when you're when you're the squirrel and you start squirreling stuff away, you're responding to this like this scarcity and your mm-hmm. brain does that automatically. It's another animal instinct or something that would have helped us survive when we were hunter gatherers and we didn't have adequate shelter or we couldn't go to the grocery store. We create ways in our heads to make life exciting and unnecessarily <laughs> so. <laughs> and that's one of those ways. And so there, but it's proven um, with studies of people that have recently lost their jobs that with in the event that they, that they feel scarce or they feel scarcity, that they'll go and they'll stockpile and they'll yeah. waste their finite resource of the savings that they maybe had yeah. um, short up where, whereas they could have kept their budget the same way they would have been fine. Yeah. So that's, there are lots of different behaviors we have with anxiety, fear, you know, all of these having to do with the unknown and, um, and not recognizing them and then engaging in these kind of self-destructive financial behaviors. So in like 20 seconds, what would be the number one thing you would tell people to take action on today? Um, be introspective. So sit down and look at how you're spending and see how much of that is impulse, see how much of it might be because you've got a scarcity issue going on and then question yourself as to if there's some action that you have not taken in your life because you have an irrational fear associated with that action. And if you just called somebody, if you could make it better. Yeah. Awesome. Erica, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a really great and fun, (laughs) always fun conversation about fear. And we went through lots of different animals. (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you all so much for joining me again today. We love seeing you here on the show. We will hopefully catch you next week. Thanks. Amy Robison is owner of My Life Delicious Nutrition Consulting Company. Reach out and learn more at mylifedelicious.com or call 832-875-2358. Thrive Life Radio, a final draft radio production.